Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the No Huddle Podcast presented by 49ers Web Zone. I'm Al Sacco, and I'm actually snowed in right now. Uh, we got about two and a half feet of snow where I am, so it's definitely been an interesting few days with the shining outside right now. And I know my co-host, Zane Nafi, had kind of a tough day. Zane, you were caught in traffic all day today, right? Yeah, you know, it's that Bay Area traffic. Um, you know, it's it's two-hour commute for me, 40 miles one way, so it's uh, pretty pretty standard, actually, for anybody who's uh, who's living out here. We're just a hot mess, man. We're just a hot mess today. Uh, but you know what? It's all good because the listeners don't really want to hear our problems, especially when we have a guest on like we do today. Really excited. You know him. All 49er fans do. He joined the Sacramento Bee as a Metro reporter in 1999. Started covering the San Francisco 49ers in 2003. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Barrows. Matt, how are you? I'm good. I watched uh, NCAA basketball all day, and it was 80 degrees here in San Jose. So uh, smooth sailing for Matt Barrows. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little jealous, and there's there's nothing wrong with watching the tournament all day. It's, it's a nice gig. But Matt, you know, get, jumping into the 49ers, there's such a different feel around the team right now. And after three years of drama in bad football, this new regime it really seems like it's brought back a lot of excitement. Can you share your thoughts on what you've seen so far from the John Lynch Kyle Shanahan combo, and what's it like to work with them as a writer, maybe compared to the last regime? Well, I mean, I, I can't really answer that uh, that second part yet, just because we haven't gotten into the the day to day grind of the season. Um, you know, John Lynch has been certainly more available, and um, you know, he's gone on radio shows and done uh, a lot of different interviews, which you wouldn't have seen from Trent Baalke. Uh, and, and, and in that way, he's the anti Baalke. And uh, in the way he's gone after free agency, he's been the anti-Balky as well. Um, I forget the number we're up to. Uh, it's definitely double digits in terms of uh, free agents signed uh, in the last two or three weeks. So, um, you know, I think that that is, um, you know, uh, a result of the 49ers not, uh, well, twofold, not not having done much in free agency in previous years, and then really not hitting on on draft picks. You, you saw them get rid of Marcus Martin. Uh, a few days ago, for example, um, somebody that you pick a, a, a lineman in the third round and you give him all the opportunities in the world to, to really um, get seasoning and this and that, uh, two positions he could have played and just never kind of seized the day, seized the moment. And um, they uh, they saw that in the tape and uh, he's one of the first guys that they parted ways with. So I, I think that what they're seeing on tape is, is the absolute right things. And um, they've, uh, they've uh, paired away some of the right guys to take away. And, you know, more to the point, they brought in um, some good guys as well. I, I thought that toughness was something that uh, was severely lacking last year. They just didn't have a bunch of uh, veteran tough guys throughout the roster. And uh, it seems as if Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch recognized that and uh, you know they're 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 bringing in guys like Pierre Garçon, um, uh, the the fullback um, Uchek, uh Logan Paulson. You can even put in that category. So I, I think they're making all the right moves. Nothing flashy and nothing 
gigantic uh, in terms of free agent moves. But uh, to me, it's the uh, it's the correct approach. And everybody, uh, oddly enough, everybody has their ACLs intact this year, so that's also a good thing. Yeah, ACLs <laughs> intact, and uh, the arms are a little shorter than the normal, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. So um, Matt Zane here. So we. We were talking about this earlier, and the first time that we met was actually last year at Kizar Day, and there was a distinct excitement around the team and a distinct uh, feel and buzz around the team then. It feels like it's more this year, and the person that is partially responsible for that is is obviously Jed York, and he kind of gets a bad rap amongst a lot of fans and and the media. uh, That's obviously not yourself, but (laughs) the media. And um, if you listen to any players speak about Jed York, they're always speaking about him in a, in a positive way and saying that he really cares about winning and cares about the organization. Where's this disconnect kind of coming from where the players say one thing, yet we kind of hear the opposite from everywhere else? Well, I mean, it, it comes from the, uh, the team's record. I mean, this, this team was very good, and then it was all of a sudden very bad. And so when that happens, uh, you, you, you look at the top and um, – you know, it's been one coach after another these last three years. So I think that's where that comes from. Um, just uh, no longevity, no real long-term plan. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan were trying to get across during that initial press conference and then uh, press conferences since then is that they're, they're going to take a very measured approach to this. Um, you know, if there's a great quarterback that they think that they can get, that they need to give, you know, something big up for, uh, they'll do it. But it, it seemed like everything that they were saying was that this is going to be a fairly methodical rebuild, uh, and we're going to do it the right way, and uh, it's not going to be overnight. And uh, and I think that's, I, I think that was smart. I mean, it, it's it's. Um, uh, a, a very smart recognition of where things stand. And, and I know it's going to sound like I'm picking on Trent Baalke, but uh, you'll recall that that press conference after they had gotten rid of Jim Harbaugh and they, they, they were hiring Jim Tomsula, and he said, you know, we still think we can compete in the playoffs. This isn't a rebuild, it's a reload. Uh, it just seemed like he didn't recognize where this team was talent-wise, that it was on the downslope. Um, that uh, they had lost so many good players, he thought that the players that he brought in, the young players, could um, you know uh, fill those shoes, and they didn't. And uh, that's why we are where we are now. And, and I just think that you know, just that that simple recognition, uh, a realization of where things stand, is um, you know a healthy change, and uh, you know hopefully that will continue. You you mentioned the quarterback position in in Trent Baalke, and you know I think I think one of his issues, Matt, was he just devalued skill players. It just seemed to me like the quarterback and the wide receivers were were afterthoughts to him. And I you know I think ultimately that was really his undoing. And and now you look into where the Forty Niners are going this season at the quarterback position. They haven't had a quarterback throw for over thirty five hundred yards or twenty one TDs since two thousand and one. It's been a long time since they had any kind of prolific numbers at that position. They bring in Brian Hoyer, who, depending on what you think of him, you may be excited, you may not be, but it looks like he's a favorite to be to get starting not now. Do you think it plays out that way or do you think the Forty Niners will look at a quarterback in the draft or do you think Kirk Cousins may still be on the table? I think they'll definitely look at a quarterback in the draft. Um, you know, the, the Kirk Cousins 
um, situation. No one knows exactly what's going to happen. The 49ers certainly are not uh, banking on that happening. It was described to me as if a miracle happens and Washington decides to trade him, then maybe we'll be interested. So the point being that um, nobody at the 49ers headquarters um, is is expecting it is, or certainly is counting on it. So they're, they're moving forward with uh, this plan. And to me, the plan is to make a big move at quarterback in, in 2018. Um, but that doesn't preclude them from using a draft pick uh, uh, on that position. And to me, I think that's the, the, right, the right move. I mean, look at where uh, the Shanahan's drafted Cousins back in 2012. It was in the... Uh, uh, in the fourth round. So um, maybe it's round two, three, four that they get the guy. Maybe it's somebody like um, Davis Webb from Cal or Nathan Peterman from, from Pitt, somebody who's not quite um, attracting uh, big headlines at, at this stage in the game. But um, if, if they're you know sitting behind Brian Hoyer for a year or somebody else that they bring in, somebody that you can develop. So um, – you know, I think the hope in, inside the building is that, you know, like like Jim Har- Harbaugh, uh, Kyle Shanahan has a, a good eye for quarterbacks. And, you know, all, all evidence suggests uh, exactly that and that, um, you know, there are a couple guys that he's picking out who he feels are going to be able to operate his offense. I don't think it's going to be with the number two pick. I mean, I might be wrong. Um, I didn't see either of them there at uh, Deshaun Watson's Pro Day today. Um, I, I think that they're probably going to be at Notre Dame next week to watch Kaiser work out. But um, boy, uh, I, I would be quite surprised if uh, they uh, use that second overall pick on Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, his uh, Pro Day today, his reviews ranged kind of from meh to Mike Mayock thought that he did did pretty well. But with regard to what he can bring to a team and, and, and what he does, he really shines brightest when the, when the lights are out and when, he's, when, the, when the focus is on him and when it's a big stage. So I think that those things, you can't really see those at a pro day, but um, I agree. It, it seems like they're, they're not willing to take a quarterback at, at number two. Um, you know, they are willing to spend money on free agents and build up this roster, and there's a lot of guys still left out there. Tim, uh, Tim Hightower was brought in for a visit today. And um, we saw Dontari Poe go off the board today to the Falcons. He was linked to the 49ers. Are there any potential free agents out there left that the 49ers are going to be picking up? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I don't um, know any names. Obviously, they're looking at running backs. I think they've at least made a call to inquire about uh, LeGarrette Blunt. I don't know if that comes uh, up uh, you know, uh, in the next few days or the next few weeks or, or anything uh, comes of that. but. Um, they're, they're definitely still looking around. I think they've got something like 69 guys signed for 2017 right now. So they still need to bring in 31, and you figure, okay, uh, 10 of that 31 is going to come through the draft, so you're left with 21, and teams usually sign maybe 10, 12 uh, undrafted free agents to sort of round out their offseason roster. So that, that means that you still got you know five, six, seven more free agents to bring in. Um, and, and I don't think that any of them are going to be earth-shattering names, um, you know. And, and a lot of them could be their own free agents. I mean, um, you know, they're they're guys that they're still looking at, they're keeping in touch with, and if the price is right, they'll bring them back. Guys like 
Rod Streeter, for example. Um, uh, Marcus Cromartie would be a, a nice fit at, at cornerback. I don't think they think that any of these guys are going to be starters, but um, it just helps the competition in camp. So I, I think their their big spending is finished. They're looking for fits and, and bargains basically right now. And uh, I, I think there will be um, several more signings, but it's going to be sporadic over the next, I don't know, two, three weeks. One of the more intriguing signings I, I thought was uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who it looks like is going to be um, quite a weapon in the 49ers offense this year. What do you think his addition will do for the running game and the offense as a whole? I, I think he's a great uh, addition because he is so multi-talented, and that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan's looking for. He's looking for guys that, you know, a defensive coordinator sees them in the huddle, and he doesn't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass. So. Uh, he's looking for guys that can do both equally well, which he had um, in, in Atlanta these last two years with Devontae Freeman. Uh, and, and this seems to be a, uh, a bigger version of that, sort of, uh, you know, Atlanta XXL. Um, and uh, Uchek can, can catch passes very well. He's actually caught a lot more passes than he has uh, run the ball uh, with, with the Ravens. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how often he's used, how much he's used, what percentage of plays he's in, and you know, the other part is, you know, where where he lines up. And uh, it seems like um, he, he could very well be um, a third down back at times, which would be, you know, very different from what Shanahan has done in the past, and, and certainly different than what 49ers fans have seen, where it's usually a, a smaller, you know, 199 pound guy. Back there, you check is something like 242. So um, it, it'll be interesting because you, you have this uh, this dichotomy going where you've got you've got a bigger team than than maybe Shanahan's had in the past, but uh, it also will be able to uh, throw the ball. So um, I, I think uh, that'll be uh, fun to to watch and is something to look forward to. And we talk about the signings like Kyle Uzcheck and. Uh, Marquise Goodwin and and these role players that are brought in for specific uh, for specific positions and specific game plans. Um, it, it still seems that the the Forty Nineers are in desperate need of of cornerstone pieces. There's really no superstar on this roster aside from Navarro Bowman, who's obviously coming back from the injury. But it, uh, do you see anybody coming out even in the draft at quarterback, wide receiver, running back, pass rusher that would be able to fill that? kind of void of, of having a cornerstone? Well, you know, that, that number two pick is, is tricky. Um, there's nobody obvious um, that, that you can say, oh, he's going to be there at number two, and boy, he's a perfect fit for the 49ers. Um, I, I think that's indicative of this draft in, in general, is that everybody thinks that this is a really deep draft. Charlie Casserly was just on TV saying it's – the deepest that he's ever seen, but he also said that he didn't see very many Hall of Fame player types in it. So you're, you've got a lot of length to this draft and, and depth to it, but uh, perhaps not a lot of star, star power. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say now whether um, Derek Barnett, for example, is, is going to be a, a cornerstone piece. Uh, he he might be or he might not be, but um, it like I said, it, it's hard to. Um, you know, look at what the 49ers really need, which to me is 
an edge rusher, somebody to really put pressure on the quarterback, um, that would be first and foremost at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, point to that number two position and say, that's the guy. Unless for some, some you know, reason that nobody is foreseeing, Miles Garrett slips to number two. But uh, that's, I, I think that's uh, more wishful thinking than, than anything else at this point. Yeah, Mike Williams yeah. just... J- Sorry, I was just Mike. I just wanted to share that Mike Williams just ran a a four four nine at his pro day, um, and then a, a four five one. So he's uh, you know, he's definitely solidifies his his, his position and at the top of the draft. Yeah, and and I I like him a lot. I mean, uh, he's somebody that uh, certainly caught my eye during the season, and then had that great game in the in the national championship game, and and that's that's something that the Forty ers could use and. Um, you can make a very good argument that, that drafting him and having him learn under Pierre Garçon for a couple of years would be absolutely perfect, and you would have an, a nice inside-outside game when you talk about uh, Marquise Goodwin's speed and Aldrich Robinson's speed, uh, and then you'd have these two really good uh, possession-type receivers, and, and Williams would also be a, uh, a great red zone threat. You can make the argument that Williams would make so many other people better on that offense, it makes the quarterback better. It makes the uh, you know Vance McDonald better, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, it, to me, it wouldn't be a bad move at all. But I've yet to see anybody think about Mike Williams as the number two overall pick. I think most people see him going around number ten, you know, ten to fifteen. Matt, one of the holdovers um, is, is Eric Armstead, and he looked so good at, in camp last year, and then he hurts his shoulder and his season kind of went down the tubes from there. Do you see him as having a bounce-back year and, and being able to fit in the new defense that the 49ers are going to run? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that um, it's going to be, you know, one of the things that I've had trouble thinking in my own mind is figuring out where each of these guys is going to line up. And and it could be that, you know, it's, it's a bit of a red herring and that um, Robert Sala will – will tailor the, the, the defense more to fit his personnel rather than stick them into an exact replica of what the, the Seahawks have run. But, um, you know, Armstead is a, is a big guy who can uh, get up the field fairly quickly. So, to me, he's really a nice fit at either that, that five technique, which is playing, you know, right outside the tackle, you know, basically a classic uh, defensive end in a 4-3, or the next guy in which is more of a classic defensive tackle. Uh, he could play either of those. His brother, in fact, played in this exact defense at, at USC, Pete Carroll defense, and, and mostly played that uh, that end position. And I think that uh, Eric Armstead's probably a little bit quicker than Armand was. So um, I, I think that he would be a really nice fit there, and uh, it may be that he's on the end and, and Buckner is the guy uh, to the inside. But... Um, that's, that that brings up, okay, so what what happens if you decide that at number two, the second best player in the draft is Solomon Thomas from uh, Stanford or it's Jonathan Allen from Alabama? And a lot of people think that. Um, but both, both those guys, to me, are, are classic you know defensive tackle types. So all of a sudden, you've got three first-round picks that you've taken, uh, and you don't have enough spots on your you know, starting defense for all three guys. Um, and, and that's the, the dilemma I think that the, the 49ers will have to work out. Yeah, and it's it's a roster that has some pieces. 
Um, it's obviously not a complete roster. As you mentioned, they have to fill out the rest of the roster to get up to 90 for training camp. But um, Greg Rosenthal was on uh, was on the radio this morning, and I was listening to it on, the, on my way to, to work. And he mentioned how the 49ers really aren't that much improved from last year. And I was kind of taken aback by that because – we had we had here in San Francisco the worst roster in the league, uh, and that that much is is not really not up for debate. But the fact that they got a lot of those guys out and replaced them with a guy like Jeremy Zuta, who's who was a pro baller last year, for example, and they're replacing these players with guys who actually started in this league and played significant roles in this league. Do you feel like the roster has has improved over last year? I do. I mean, I don't think it's a dramatic improvement. I think that the reason why they're better than they were last year is because the the incoming coach has gotten a chance to bring in a lot of guys that fit his system, whereas Chip Kelly never had that chance. Remember, last year it was it was Thaddeus Lewis and Zane Beatles. That was it. And so uh, poor Chip Kelly um, ended up, you know, having to run a Chip Kelly offense. With Jim Tomsula and uh, you know Jim Harbaugh pieces, and so th- that's why there was never there was never a fit. Um, Kelly and and Balky just were not the right were, were not compatible. I mean, Balky even kept drafting Balky like players. I mean, uh, Aaron Burbridge um, is not a a guy that that Chip Kelly would have would have drafted. Uh, you know, he's a guy that Jim Harbaugh would have drafted. Uh, and he might fit in pretty well in in this offense, but not for what Chip Kelly was uh, was looking for with sort of that that catch and knife uh, idea that he wanted to put together. So my point being that the fact that Kyle Shanahan has brought in and most of these guys have been on offense, a double digit number of free agents means that they're already going to be better running a Kyle Shanahan offense than this team was running a Chip Kelly offense when it began uh, its spring practices last year. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we were at that spring practice last year and it, and it was, you know, it was, it was a really cool thing. And, and we got a chance to talk to some of the players at a little more personal, informal level. It was, it was a stripped down practice. It wasn't like a typical training camp practice, but I got to ask you, you've been on the beat for a while. So who would you say is your favorite interview of all time? My favorite interview of all time? Yes. Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jim Jim Harbaugh would uh, it, it, it would probably be my answer. However, it would depend on which Jim Harbaugh you were getting because there were at least <laughs> you know five or six of them. Yeah. If you got if you got charming Jim Harbaugh at the beginning of the season, um, you know he would just fill up your notebook with all sorts of fun anecdotes and, you know, the, the time that they all came in wearing, you know, the gas station attendant uh, shirts with with their name on the, uh, on the breast pocket. Um, that was great. Everything was new back then, but, you know, Jim Harbaugh, by the time it got to 2014, <laughs> we he were sick of him. He was sick of us. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, all, all the novelty had worn off. Um, but uh, I still think that, um, you know, he, he was the best just because, he kept you on your toes. You never knew what to expect. Sometimes he'd show up on days that he wasn't even, you know, supposed to talk, which uh, a, a coach never does. If he doesn't have to talk to the media, then, then uh, boy, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he doesn't. But, um, you know, Harbaugh would, 
come in and he'd uh, have an agenda. He'd, he'd want to send a message to the opposing team, which he did a couple of times. So um, that was definitely the most interesting uh, interview that, that I've had. Yeah, my favorite line from him was the Jive Turkey Gobblers line. I think that was always my favorite Harbaugh, Harbaughism. So, um, Matt, thank you so much for your time. The listeners probably already know this, but did you want to throw out your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's uh, very easy, at Matt Barrows, and that's, uh, that's how you can find me on Twitter. I'm sure mostly everyone's following you already. Well, we want to thank Matt so much for his time. We really enjoyed this. Thank and you, Matt. all of you again. Thank all of you again for joining us. Uh, for Zane Nockby, this is Al Sacco, and we'll talk to you soon.